What's up, everybody? This is episode 144 of the Clappercast. I'm Burke, and as always, joined by Sean. Sean, how's it going, man? I am I am hurting inside. I am dead inside. <laughs> yeah, that's usually the way it goes when your team gets knocked out. It takes a little bit of time to, to kind of get over it. And then you see, like, the the locker clean-out days, and you see them all saying, you know, this is the... We, we know this isn't the result that you were expecting or hoping for. <laughs> oh, man. Good coffee pasta. Bring that back. Yeah. Um, although I, it, it seems like there's a little bit of a different tone in Edmonton compared to Toronto. Um, maybe that's just kind of where they're at in their, I don't know if you want to say window or whatever, but like it, when I was watching some of those videos, it was, you know, like I think it was like, McDavid was saying like you know we're looking for a cup or bust or something yeah whereas in Toronto it, it's like they're asking people like oh do you think that you're going to be asked to wait like m- wave your no movement clause <laughs> and things like that so it seems yeah, like a little bit of a different <laughs> Toronto is all about um, I mean we'll get into Toronto a bit more in a, in a bit but Toronto's more about the uh, time to blow it up and Edmonton's kind of like we got a couple more tweaks to make and you know figure yeah things what out. do we need to do here to like push ourselves over the edge and yeah yeah Yeah. it seems like very different conversation that's happening and i think it's probably warranted um so i guess we'll um dive into some of these um series here before we get into the next round but um i'll start off i think this one was the one that ended ended first right with the carolina defeating the islanders in five or i feel like it's new jersey devils i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) Devils, I feel sorry. like it ended first, <laughs> but I also can't guarantee because the Toronto series was short. They were both. I think short, they were done first. I think it yeah. maybe was close, but um, the I think Carolina was the first one through. So they um, were by a day. Yep. But uh, I think we both. I think I went zero for four, or no, I went one one and three in my picks this round. Um, I th- I thought the Devils were gonna keep rolling and and beat carolina but um carolina was able to you know overcome some missing uh guys in their lineup and then just really kind of take control of the series oh they absolutely dominated like looking look at the scores in these games i mean game one five one carolina game two six one carolina game three was the outlier that was the eight four devils win their only win in the series game four back to carolina six one Game five was the closest game, and that was just a 3-2 overtime win for Carolina. So, like, yeah. Carolina, they absolutely dominated this series, and they did not give the Devils any room to do anything. And they uh, they shut down the best players on the Devils. I think it was Jack Hughes had... Jack Hughes had, like, six points in the series, but four of them came in that one game, the 8-4 win. I think yeah. Heashier and Bratt had two points apiece the whole series. Like those are those are the three devil the three most offensively talented players for the Devils and they absolutely shut them down. They did not give them anything, mm-hmm. which explains why the Devils scored. You know, aside from that one game, they scored five goals in the other four games that they lost. Yeah, and I think um, Freddie Anderson had a really good series. You know, with with the exception of that one game where mm-hmm. he got yanked, um, he gave up four on twelve. Um, but he, like, he went. He stopped forty-eight of fifty-one shots in the back-to-back wins to close the series out. So he was remarkable in mm-hmm. the in the last two games of the series. 
good bounce back. Um, 1.0, 1.80 goals against average and 0.931 save percentage um, in in six games so far in the playoffs. So he's really been playing really well. Um, and then they've been able to to use uh, Ranta when they needed to against the Islanders, and Kachekov came in in relief in that one game. But yeah, it's it's just really just the Sebastian Ajo show in Carolina. Hey, um, Jordan Martinuk had a fantastic series. What did he have? Like yeah, ten points yeah. in the series, and like yeah, they were he, all they were all even strength or shorthanded. He didn't have any power play points. And he had like ten points in the series. There were so many shorthanded goals in this series. I think it was like um, there was more than power play goals. Um, it was just nuts. Like they were just uh, every goal, every power play was like yeah, actually well just declined. <laughs> the the Hurricanes had three shorthanded goals. They had two power play goals. From the looks of it, yeah. So it's kind of nutty. Um, and the Devils also had a bunch. Um, I think uh, Miles Wood, maybe. Uh, uh, not in this McLeod. series. They only had they only had one shorthanded goal. It was McLeod. Mm. Only two power play goals as well. But you know, yeah, there was that, that one game um, where it's just nuts. All all shorties. Um, yeah. You were texting me about that game, and I'm like, did the did the Hurricanes just score like three shorthanded goals in a period or something? <laughs> yeah, I think it was a record for playoffs, like most shorthanded goals in a game or something. Um, yeah, nuts. Um, some weird games in the series, like just lots of goals, and then mm-hmm. then games with like no goals. Um, I mean, it was a is it. You'd like to see maybe a, a, a bit more of like a a few more wins for the Devils. I'm sure they'd like to see four. Um, but um, I I think coming into the season they were a, a, a pretty big surprise. I think for most people how, how good they were this year. So yeah, I don't think um, they were really projected to be a playoff team. They were probably a wild card contender. But I don't think anyone really. I don't think too too many people expected them to be this contentious in the series, yeah. Or in the in the uh, division, pardon me. Kind of a kind of a coming out party for them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, definitely a, a building block, learning moment. You know, get some um, playoff experience for some of their their young stars, and just be able to kind of take that into next season. I think it's. I think it's a pretty successful playoffs for them although all in all it totally is like to go further but you know carolina's been in the mix for a long time and they're they're a strong team despite the the gaps that they have right now um yeah what kind of guys are all firing on all cylinders so i don't know i don't really have much more to say about this series Um, um, the one thing the one thing though sorry is just um like the devil's situation with with timo meyer like just what's gonna happen there are they gonna keep him or not i think you know they gave up so much to keep to bring him in i don't think it makes sense to not try to keep him like they should have the cap space to my knowledge they should still be okay in that regard i think they have to sign brat too i believe they've got a few people coming off the books so they've got some um, checks that they got to write um, mm-hmm. to keep the team together, but um, depending we'll what see. they do with their cap space, it looks like they're supposed to have over thirty million in available cap space heading into the off season. 
granted they have a lot of players to resign. Like most of their forwards need to be resigned. And a couple of them are definitely due for a bit of a raise. Namely Meyer and, and Brat a little bit and yeah, Sharon Govich probably and Eric Hollett had a good year, but they should be okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just what's this qualifying like 12 million or something. <laughs> Timo Meyer's qualifying offer is going to be tw- uh, 10 million. But they can also negotiate a lower amount. And I yeah. think I think it's more likely to fall in about 8 million. Yeah, it'd be the same as like Jack Hughes. Probably. Yeah, probably. I I, I don't know if they'd want to pay him more than Hughes. Um but we'll see. Anyway, yeah, it was a bit more one-sided than I thought this was going to be, but um you know, like I said, Carolina's been a good team for a long mm-hmm. time and lots of playoff experience there. I think the I think the Devils would have wanted to see more out of their goalies, especially Akira Schmid, considering he um how good he was in the first round. And then to go and have this absolute like just 180 and in in this series, and I mean he got pulled a couple of times, like wasn't great. And I mean, Vanacek wasn't any better, actually. Vanacek had a worse save percentage, <laughs> so. Yeah, they were hot at the right time last series, and then mm-hmm. this series it just kind of fell off a bit. And, you know, sometimes that you live and die by your goalie, right? Um, yeah. Kira Schmid kind of just came out of nowhere um, this season. He had a good run in the regular season and then came back in against the Rangers and lit it up and then just ran out of juice, I guess. Um and, you know, that, that can happen with goalies because they're not used to playing that much or whatever, right, in the NHL. And, um, yeah, tough, tough going. But we'll see what they if they do what they do. Because I think Blackwood's contra- contract's up too. Um, so do they run Vitek and Akira Schmid next year or do they do something else? Do they go out and get somebody? Um, you know, there's going to be some, some interesting goalies that might be available. So what do they do? Um, do they get better or do they regress? Um, keep an eye on that. Um, but uh, move on, I guess, to the other um, Eastern series, the Atlantic, uh, where Florida <laughs> beat, <laughs> beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in five. I am so happy. <laughs> so, I think surprising to most people just how... Florida kept rolling here. Um, yeah, but and they were, you know, they didn't, like, overwhelm Toronto like Carolina did New Jersey, but they still dominated pretty well. And you see the, the domination come in in how well Florida shut down the best players of the Leafs that, to the point that most of them were completely invisible. Other, yeah. than, other than William Nylander and Morgan Riley, like you didn't see any impactful performances from like Marner and Matthews and Tavares. Matthews didn't even have a goal in the series. Yeah. Nylander was the best out of those guys, mm-hmm. um, especially in the, the last two games. Yeah. He, he really stepped up. Oh um, yeah. He was the only noticeable player in the last game. Like he was actually trying to, you know, Connor McDavid his way through another game, but it just, he yeah, had no I'd support. Yeah. I'd say him and um, Morgan Riley were noticeably mm-hmm. positive players in the last the last game, and Nylander, um in Game Four as well. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, like, it's, I think Toronto, like, obviously super disappointed with the result, but like, what is there's four one goal games, um, two overtime losses. Um, you know, they, they were right there in the series. It's just, you would have liked to see your, your big guns step up a bit more Yeah, and just and having was, like one game know, that they did well, doesn't make up for a whole series worth of, yeah. you know, lack of production. Yeah, and and like you said, these games were all so close that a better performance or like you know the the goal the goal or two per game you would expect from the combination of Matthews, Marner, and Tavares would have been the difference. But those guys got nothing. Yeah, for the most part, like three points for Marner, two points for Matthews. Where's Tavares? What do you have? Oh, I don't know. Probably, oh, he had one yeah. point. He had one point. You look terrible. Like, you expect you expect a couple points, you know, a point per game out of the three of them, but they didn't get anywhere near that. No, yeah, um, and and I, I think like the sad part is for me as just like a not like a I don't know like a casual fan of the Maple Leafs. It's like I've always liked Nylander, and he was visibly trying he had the most positive response to the media's questions ahead of game four when it was like um they were asking everyone like okay what's your what's the pressure like blah 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 you know against facing elimination it's a sweep and he like matthews was like staring at the ground and so was marner and they were like you know very like morose like sad like oh you know we gotta go out there and play our game blah blah blah. nylander was like happy and was saying like i'm a I'm looking forward to it. Like I'm, it's going to be fun because we have to play our best hockey. And that's when I really like playing hockey is mm-hmm. when you, when you're playing at your best. Right. And it's like, that's the guy, that's the mentality you want. Is the guy who wants to 100%. go out there, have fun, play like really good hockey, get points, you know, whatever. Um, he's the most tradable guy. <laughs> Unfor- unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he is the, the he is the one who's most likely to get traded. And he is the one who is probably sh- who's showing now to be possibly the most like positive influence in the locker room, or the most I saw a like thing, motivated. I woke up this morning and I saw a thing, and it was a rumor that he's he would be a good fit on Colorado. I was, I was seeing like, that too. Yeah, I could see that. Um, they need that. They need that depth. I remember him Neander played with Backstrom um, for S- Team Sweden, and they looked so good together. I would just absolutely love it if he came over, but I don't think the Capitals have anything the Leafs would want. But maybe just clearing up cap space is good enough. They um, have this good uh, younger defender. I think his name's Rasmus Sandin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, send him, send him over. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I, I just, it's just that's the sad truth of sometimes the guy that you want to keep is the one that anybody else would want the most, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, you're not going to be able to move Tavares and his 11 million or whatever. Um, so the guy who's got one year at seven, you know, you'll, you'll find a buyer for that. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I think like the, the other storyline is, um, you know, not to take anything away from Florida. Like they, they played really well and um, Bobrovsky had a really good series. Yep. Um, I think there was um people who are saying like he played some of the best hockey of his career in in this series um, that sounds right i mean 
10 goals and 10 goals against in the five games 943 save percentage i think he's pretty high up in like the goal saved above expected as well let me just bring that up real quick yeah he <clears throat> pardon me he's leading the playoffs in goals saved above expected at this point and it's it's not even close like he's at 9.3 then there's Shesterkin at 8.8 and then freddie anderson is third at 3.9 so like it's it's not even like a close race. It's Sergei Bobrovsky by far. <laughs> yeah. So in in the five games against the Leafs, four and one, one point eight nine goals against, nine four three save percentage, fifty saves in the um, last game, the OT win, game five. So just outstanding series for him. And you know it's been a bit of a meme. Just has contract, his, his ten mil contract. But oh, and how many times has he been overtaken by like a backup making league minimum? <laughs> I mean, even coming into playoffs, right? Like they started Alex Lyon, yeah. Um, but in this series, he was he was worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 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 been outstanding, um, just absolutely amazing. So, kudos to to Bobrovsky, and you know, kudos to just the 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 leadership, um, yeah. Paul Maurice and Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, on, and again, Matthew Kachuk, like you were saying early in Game One, Kachuk went out and he was playing hard on on the big players on the Leafs. And he immediately threw, you know, swung the tide of the series in Florida's favor just by doing that, just by playing physical he, against I, I, Matthews, Marner, etc. Yeah, I think in game one, in the first period, I think he had about five or six hits. Like, just, yeah, making a difference. And I was talking to a guy at work about this, and I was like, you know, the difference between a guy like Matthew Kachuk and a guy like Matthews is like... Um, Matthew Kachuk does all those other things if he's not on the score sheet. Mm-hmm. And he oftentimes is on the score sheet, but um, he'll he'll get the guys going through a, a forecheck, laying the body. Um, he'll get into the net area and, and you know get a little bit grimy and get people going and, and get under guys' skin and mm-hmm. and you know the guys on the bench will see that and be like, you know what, if he can do that, and he's our leading point scorer. I can do that too and can start to contribute. And he's he's awesome in the D zone too. Like he'll play good defensive hockey and. Um, just a just a pretty complete player. Whereas Matthews is is pretty good defensively too, but mm-hmm. he's not getting in there, you know, throwing hits every shift and doing things like that. So if he's not scoring, which he wasn't, he almost has no impact on the series. Whereas yeah. if if, if Kachuk didn't get a single point in this series, you'd still say he was one of their best players, yeah. like a leader, hundred you know, percent. So just just completely different um yeah because no one at this point i mean he had five points in the series but no one at this point is saying oh matthew kachuk had a bad series he didn't have a goal yeah who cares he did so much other stuff without scoring that it's it's valuable in its own way and then you have like matthews who didn't have a goal well did he do anything else like because i don't really recall seeing or hearing his name doing much else no and um I guess one of the things on the Leafs that um, one of the last things I just want to bring up is um, Joseph Wall played really well mm-hmm. when he came. Yeah, into and the like series. huge shout out to him for coming in on those last last two and a half game, two and a half or three games there. You know, that was you know that's a pretty clutch performance. It's all you can ask out of a rookie third string, third or fourth string goalie coming mm-hmm. in for the playoffs like that. So that's a pretty that's pretty awesome of him. Yeah, he 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 definitely um, lived up to the pressure in the situation, or 
however you want to say that, but he um, he wasn't a reason that they lost. He was a reason that they were in games. Um, mm-hmm. He played really well. Um, so that that's a bit of a bright spot. Um, you know, unfortunate that Samsonov got injured, especially by your own guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that that was really impactful on the result of the series. Like him getting him going out, I don't think he really would have changed the outcome. No, because so. uh, up until that point, Samsonov was the you know worst goalie of the two as well. Like he had a sub nine hundred save percentage. He wasn't giving up that many goals to per game, to be fair, but he also had a sub nine hundred save percentage, so he wasn't winning the Leafs any games either. No, definitely not. Um, Bobrovsky was just next level. No matter who was in net for the um, the Leafs. Um, so um, we have, as everyone expected, the Carolina Hurricanes versus the Florida Panthers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, it's it's the battle of the Stahl brothers. Um, so who do you who do you pick in this series? I'm just gonna go with the Florida Panthers. <laughs> Why not? They seem to be on such a roll right now. They've got Bobrovsky playing out of his mind. They've got just something's clicking for this group right now. And, you know, why not? When was the last time we saw the eight seed make the final? Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Pa- Panthers and seven. I can't remember the last time the eight seed made the finals. Let's go for chaos. Let's have yeah. let's have this eight seed team that squeaked into the playoffs in the last game take out the two division winners and one of the other top, like, whatever, seven, six or seven teams in the league. Let's have it. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I'm I'm going the same way. Um, just because they've got the the mentality, um, and uh, they just seem like they're rolling, and they just everything they do is is just working <laughs> against no matter who they're playing. Um, and uh, it's just Paul Maurice has just turned a team that's one season away from the president's cup um, into a more disciplined team. Um, Clearly they were not visiting strip clubs before game seven this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I was reading a thing and he said like when he came in, he was, um, he kind of had this line and it was like, you know, basically develop the ability to be, to overcome adversity and so when things aren't going your way, you still find a way to kind of win mm-hmm. um, and to just have a bit more of a, um, a system in place. Because last year they were so run and gun, they were they, they scored way more goals. And this year they gave up a few more goals and scored less goals, but just they, they don't always play the same way and they're able to overcome things. And yeah. you see that, right, where it's like, oh, you're going to play that way? Okay, we're going to make an adjustment yeah. and we're going to play this way and we're fine with that. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit more resilience, bit more like you say, like they're saying, like you know that overcoming adversity, like it's it's important, especially when you get into these playoffs, because like mm-hmm. for example, the New Jersey Devils, like they didn't really seem to be able to adapt and counter Carolina. Carolina did; they knew how to shut New Jersey down. They knew how to play against the Devils, and the Devils didn't really figure out how to shape their game to change that or or to mm-hmm. counter it. Yeah. So that's that's such a huge part of this because you know, like, 
this is a really interesting coaching battle between these two because first off, the two of them, Paul Maurice was the coach when Brendamore yeah. was the player when Carolina won the Cup in 06. And now these two are facing off as coach coaches against each other. So they're both like really cerebral play- people in, in how they approach the game and how they approach their systems and stuff. And they both have such a... Uh, a strong ability to like adapt and change and just a, an understanding of the technical and like work ethic side of the game. So it's going to be an interesting, like, you know, chess match between these two, figuring out how they're going to adapt to each other and how they're going to like change the course of the series each game when they, you know, win or lose, whatever happens. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like that, um, mentor relationship. Cause Brenda Moore was coached by Maurice and then joined his staff. So it's like, it's pretty cool to, to have them kind of, you know, face off against each other um, and see the chess match that happens and just watch that. It's going to be fun, I think, to, to, to see that. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I just li- want to see Florida keep going because it's just fun. It's just a fun story. Like, you know, the team that that squeaked in just because the Penguins couldn't win against the bottom team in the league. <laughs> <laughs> makes it in. And then they beat, like, the best team that's ever existed. They beat, you know, the, the Maple Leafs team that was also a great team. Um, can they beat this other, you know, division champ um, and then just make it to the, their first Stanley Cup final since, what, 1996? Um, yeah. Let's not talk about what happened to them in those finals. I think they got swept. <laughs> I'm um, pretty sure it was. But um, hey, if they can make it in, that would be, be pretty fun. Um, just you know, have a team overcome some adversity and then just prevail. And why not? Why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but for for Carolina, like you know, Brandon is a great coach too, and. Um, I think they're they're expected to get Teravainen back. Um, it looked like he took off the no contact jersey recently, so I, there are, I anticipate he'll be back for so the early part of the series. Back, um, yeah. So we'll we'll see, but yeah, I think just for the just because Florida's been so so strong, and just because I want to see them move on, I'm, I'm going to pick them as well. Um, okay, well we'll move on. Um, to I guess we might as well get it over with Sean, um, <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they defeated the Edmonton Oilers in six. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts about why that happened? I mean, I'm pretty sure my when I was talking about why I picked Vegas in our last episode, I pretty much pinpointed why it would happen. Is is Vegas's system and structure is just more than the Oilers can handle. It's not. Uh, it's not a. It's not a style that the that plays well into how the Oilers approach the game, which is a lot of uh, pressure and counterattack and rush attack and power play. And um, Vegas is an aggressive, fast team that controls play as much as they can. They control the pace of play. They know how to. You know, they they did an amazing job at completely annihilating the Oilers' like man-on-man defense structure, pulling defenders out of the slot, boxing, pulling defenders out of the slot. Pardon me, getting forwards into the slot, and then suddenly you've got forwards who aren't as good at clearing the front of the net, trying to defend the best forwards on the on the Golden Knights. 
and then you end up with Jonathan Marcia so wide open in the slot for a couple of goals here and there. You know, Edmonton scored the first goal in the first five games of the series. They only won two of those games because Vegas scored a goal to counter that within two minutes in three of those five games. Yeah. You know, that's you can't do that. You score an early goal, momentum's supposed to be in your favor. But Edmonton scores the goal, and they don't know how to how to take advantage of that. They don't know how to use that off the next face-off to just shut Vegas down and keep going. And yeah, like I mean, you want to get the first goal, but it's almost like if you get the first goal and then you give one up immediately, that's probably pretty defeating and almost worse than just giving up the first goal because you like go to such a high yeah. and then you go to such a low that like, oh, we yeah. got the first goal, and then immediately like, oh, all that wind <laughs> is taken out of your sails right then and there. Yeah. And, I mean, st- I, I question the goaltending decisions throughout that series. I'm pretty sure Skinner got pulled in each of the last three games. Or two of the la- or three of the last four games, I think he got pulled. And still, Skinner got the starts. And he was not putting up the numbers that he needed to to help the Oilers win. Like, he had a terrible save percentage in the playoffs. Well, I think... Campbell's numbers overall were pretty good, right? Campbell was actually good in the playoffs. Like he, I, I, I jokingly said this when it was happening. That, but he actually was an unreal uh, performer in these playoffs. That Skinner had an eight eighty three save percentage, three sixty eight goals against average. Campbell made four relief appearances. He had a 961 save percentage, a 1.01 goals against average. And even though he only played, I want to see does he have his, his minutes, even though he only played 118 minutes in those four appearances, he still sits fifth in goals saved above expected in the playoffs with three and a half in four partial games. So, yes, so it's almost two full games, 118 minutes. Um, yeah. So, two, you know, in two full games, he's saving two goals above expected per game in, in that short. Coming off the bench cold, yeah. Coming off the bench cold. So even though I jokingly said that it didn't look like he knew he was making any saves when he was in the net, he was making the saves they he needed to. He was making to. them. Yeah, and that's like what Dominic counts, right? Dominic right? doesn't look like it doesn't he knows matter. what he's doing, but yeah. he's saving everything. <laughs> he doesn't know where the puck is, but he's somehow in the perfect position to make the save he needs to. He's not giving up rebounds. Like, Skinner was giving up terrible rebounds. Um, he wasn't covering up the puck. He was. There's one goal in particular. It it was a sh- a shot from afar. He jumps up a bit, hits his shoulder, and it just goes ten feet in the air and drops down behind him into the net, or onto someone's stick into the net. And um, you know Skinner had a great season. You know he could very easily win the Calder Trophy, but he should not have started those last couple of games in the playoffs. It should have gone to one of them. Should have gone to Campbell, at least. Yeah, I mean and um. I questioned it even after he came in that one game and kind of saved the Oilers' season, why they didn't start him the next yeah. game. I mean, it worked yeah. out for them in that series, but I was like, that guy just saved your ass yeah, and looked good. Like, sure, he might have looked panicked or whatever, but, like, he made every save that you needed him to, and then you don't roll him. Like, like it's common sense goaltending decision is ride the hot hand right like mm-hmm. especially in the playoffs if all the stats say he's the better guy who cares if you hurt skinner's feelings i'm sure he'll get over it like 
that's that's Skinner's a resilient guy too. Yeah, it's like, like, whatever, I, like whatever, just roll the yeah. guy that's playing better, and then when that guy falters, put the other guy in, you mm-hmm. know, see what happens. But to not to not trust your other goalie too, like going into next season, like is is Campbell gonna? He doesn't seem like the type of guy to be to hold a grudge or anything. But like, is that gonna fracture the relationship? Like that you didn't put me in like during the yeah i mean like it was established long long ago in the season that campbell was the backup so it's you know it's been he's known he he's known what role he has on the team for months but that does kind of make sense like do you really not trust like is he going to go into it thinking do you really not trust me to to start a game to start an important game over for even though i'm performing better yeah like is that all I am? I'm just in, just a guy gets hurt or gets shelled. I go in. That's it. I mm-hmm. don't get to start games or anything. Um, I mean, like yeah, look at Vegas, right? Like Aiden Hill, just amazing series. Mm-hmm. Um, coming in cold out, out of an injury and ride the hot hand. I mean, like they didn't exactly. really have another option really. I mean, they had quick, but um, play play the guy. I mean, look, but look what can happen, right? Like he had a, he had a great numbers in that series yeah, yeah and you know um, what too the the golden knights defense you know shout out to to how they played because except they for petrangelo. know except for petrangelo <laughs> <laughs> except for petrangelo who's playing a different sport <laughs> yeah he's playing lacrosse yeah um except for him but the golden knights defense um they adapted incredibly well to the oilers to figure out how to shut them down when they needed to and they, even though they had terrible special teams, like Edmonton's power play converted again at like 40 plus percent in the series. Um, five on five, they didn't give the Oilers anything. Yeah. They boxed, they boxed the Oilers out. They kept them to the outside. There was no, no second chances, no rebounds, no net front, net front presence. None of that stuff you need. So it was just a whole bunch of shots from the outside and no pressure. They knew how to shut down. Like the Oilers' go-to is that cross-ice pass between the two forwards on the on the on the walls. Mm-hmm. They didn't let that happen. You even saw yeah. it by the end of the series on the power play where they were trying to get that pass through and they just didn't have space for it. They end up having to go around the outside the whole time. Yeah. So Vegas's defense, they knew how to counter what Edmonton does, and Edmonton did not adapt. Yeah, clog up the lanes. Yeah, I've, I've seen that pass many times, like that. McDavid to dry settle one timer mm-hmm. pass cross seam yeah mm-hmm. and those go away oftentimes in playoffs um surprisingly I mean it's a different Vegas team but that is how the Capitals beat Vegas in the finals is because that's flurry that was flurry's weakness just the the post to post movements mm-hmm. so the Capitals tried to do those cross ice passes as much as possible but they had they had backstrom like some of the nicest saucer passes I've ever seen. There's that one where it goes over like three guys sticks um, to that Ovechkin one timer, but it's a, a very different defensive core than they had in their first year, but same team. It's kind of interesting that, you know, yeah. a different coach, different roster personnel, whatever they can, their ability to clog up those lanes and, you know, dry and McDavid are some of the best passers in the game too. Um, but they're able to clog it up enough that, you know, the percentage is low enough of those mm-hmm. passes succeeding. Um, yeah, and, you know, Dreisaitl, he had four goals in the first game. In the other five games, he had two goals. And you saw, like, he 
in those last few games, Drysaddle was not getting that shot opportunity. That that prototypical, like the one you would you would equate to him with that one timer from the low circle, kind of right above the goal line, didn't get mm. didn't get that chance. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was it was a pretty. I don't know. I don't want to say like violent, but like it was a g- aggressive <laughs> series. Yeah. There's a lot of um, it got chippy you know, after whistle action and um, you know a couple suspensions and um, you know regardless of how you feel if they should have been equal or not, like there was just a lot going on in that series. Um, so I think it's. Um, I think I, I texted you like I hope at the very minimum you you now realize how much I hate <laughs> Vegas and, and I agree with with that sentiment um, just because of how frustrating their fans can be and how mm-hmm. annoying they are as a team and and here they are I think it's what four is it four, four out of six years now that they've gone to the conference finals yep. something like yep, that that's it so it's like how fucking spoiled are you as a franchise like welcome to the league and oh yeah you're, you get almost all the way to the finals every year like oh, mm-hmm. get, get out of here miss the playoffs <laughs> once in your first six years and it's like oh come on we better you go gotta, get one of the best guys like the in the league now yeah <laughs> yeah you gotta suffer like the rest of us come on yeah um yeah i mean it's uh i know it's it's again not the not the result that you wanted but like do you how do you feel for the like the Oilers team moving forward? Do you think they have to make any, any changes, or do you feel like a full season of like at home and um, will, will make Honestly, a difference? Like looking at how they played as from the new year, especially from the trade deadline on, where they they only lost like two games in the last month and a half of the season. Like for the most part, the roster is fine. The where they're gonna want to see improvement is in goaltending. They're gonna want to see more development out of Skinner for him to be, you know, better. Um, they're going to have to make oh, yeah. some adjustments because they're going to have to re-sign Evan Bouchard. They don't have the money for it. So they're going to have to trade somebody like Yamamoto or Fogel or Cody Cece. They're going to have to make some sort of adjustment there, but then they also have defenders coming up. They have Philip Broberg, who in his limited minutes looked pretty good. And, you know, someone like him could end up jumping up in the lineup and playing with Darnell Nurse. You know, something like something like that cuz at this point Ekholm and Bouchard seem to be the top pairing. I would I would say that they are the best pairing on the team, the best two defenders on the team. And that means they can put Nurse with somebody else. Um it was really a kind of a coming out party for Bouchard uh, the playoffs. I think he had the most yeah. he has the most points amongst defensemen. I think he mm-hmm. also has the most power play points. Um, so, um, he should look to be their power play quarterback next year. Um, without a doubt. And, uh, yeah, I I don't know if you have to make much changes, but I I think if you were, um, looking for something dramatic, I would go for Hellebuck. (laughs) (laughs) You could make a real effort to, to improve in net and, um, That'll be a topic for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, on the Vegas side of things, like, you know, their their top guys are are, are playing well. Um, Jack Eichel, um, like, like 
in the first series, people were saying he had a bit of a slow start, but mm-hmm. in that series against the Oilers, he did really well. Played well 5-on-5. Five five. He has a bit of a discipline problem, I think, where he takes some penalties at some bad times. Um, but points-wise, he's, he's playing well, and um, mm-hmm. Stone is playing well, and then they they also got some of the guys that were cold going late in the series, like Marcia So. I don't think had a goal until like a game like four or five or something of the series and then ended the series with like a natural hat trick. So Mm -hmm. he's he's firing now. So they kind of get heating up a little bit on at the right time, um, which scares me as someone who likes Dallas. Um, But um, they, they, they just played really well and yeah, they, they look like a good team. Um, Unless you have anything else to add about that series, no. Let's uh, let's jump to the last the last semifinal matchup. So Dallas uh, eventually beat the Seattle Kraken in seven games um, to move on to to play Vegas. So I'm happy about this one. I think the Kraken played a really good series. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember how when we last spoke. Um, I was saying, I wonder if I'm going to end up hating the Kraken at the end of this, or if it's going to be like a, like, oh, you guys played a good, good series. It's definitely the latter. They yeah. didn't play dirty or anything like that. They just had a really good series. And um, you were talking about, um, Seattle, or you were talking about Vegas's ability to just immediately get a goal back. Seattle doesn't. They did that a couple times, but it was more like they were able to score in a bunch and just take, like, a crazy lead. Like, that happened a couple times in the series where they just, like, scored, like, a, a shit ton of goals <laughs> in a row and then just took momentum. Like, they, they were able to just ride momentum more than a team I've seen. Like, they mm-hmm. just they just ride the wave and just keep going and keep going and keep going. Um they made yeah, they have a real like a a system around energy. Like that's just, it's just the one thing. The way that I would describe the team is just energy. Because they they don't have like star players. They don't have you know top line talent as you would say on other teams that other teams have. But what they have is just energy and work like work ethic and just you know that that hundred and ten percent mentality. Yeah, and depth. Mm-hmm. They've, they've and, got and crazy depth. They've, they've picked up... They've got a lot of... like I mean, Brandon Tanev, Yanni Gord, definitely that energy role-type player. You know, like uh, Yanni Gord when on the Tampa Bay teams winning the Cup. He's definitely that, you know, that energy guy. Um, but they've picked up a lot of guys that can shoot the puck in Seattle. Like the, the addition of Bjorkstrand, picking mm-hmm. up Tolvanen, um, picking up Daniel Sprong, who got hurt earlier in the series um, with a, a big hit. Um, and then um, Ty Cartier just kind of came out of nowhere. I think he had a really good AHL. Was he the AHL player of the year or something like that? Um, but um, comes in, has an amazing shot. So it's like they, they had the most players, I believe, in playoffs to, to score um, throughout their lineup. And then even like Adam Larson was like, getting goals so yeah he had two goals in this series so i don't know if they, it's like if that's a 
it's, it must be a, a scouting thing that they look for, for for bringing guys in just who can shoot the puck it's like a money ball thing almost right like shooting percentages or something mm-hmm. um and then coaching because like adam larson he used to be in edmonton like if you want to kill the play pass it to larson like he's 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 never been like a huge offense guy but in this series he looked like dangerous <laughs> with the puck so it was yeah. it was interesting but um seattle played a really good series um and grubauer played good but at times let up some some interesting goals um but yeah it was it was a fun fun series back and forth hockey yeah um, a lot yeah, of really good games like you said about um grubauer letting in some weird goals like it's not even like that was the the thing that shifted the series because i mean ottinger didn't have a good series either mm-hmm. they had a about the same save percentage yeah i mean ottinger let in some some rough ones in some of those momentum things where he just looked like he wasn't set up properly and um guys have been targeting his glove um or is it blocker side i think it's blocker side um all playoffs mm-hmm. um and he actually had the shortest start of his career in this series he got yanked i think like uh, like 18 minutes in or something like that. So that was like his shortest stint he's ever had in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, <coughs> Seattle looks like so there's, there's a lot of experience on the team, not all as Kraken team members, but there's a lot of guys who have been parts of, you know, pretty, pretty deep playoff runs or, mm-hmm. or parts of good teams or teams that have beat better teams. Like you think of Bjork strand, right? Like, He's yep. part of that team that swept Tampa Bay. Yeah, and then uh, you've got Gordon Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and Vince Dunn from St. Louis as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got got a lot of um, good. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, pedigree among some of these players. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think like into next season, it'll be interesting to see if they have higher expectations for their team and if that affects kind of their their game at all um but th- they played a really good series and then for the stars as well the stars were able to kind of take control when they needed to for a lot of the series they did look like the better team um it was just they gave up some of those momentum swings um yeah. and they they kind of clamped down a bit near the end of the series and we're able to yeah. control the play more yeah um, and you saw their <clears throat> pardon me you saw their experience shine through in game seven because that was like by far the lowest scoring game of the series you know that that 2-1 victory and it, it was 2 nothing until like what was it the final 19, minute of the game 19 seconds left yeah yeah so it, it was very close to being a shutout in game seven and that was just the experience of the stars um, the experience of the stars roster shining through and just saying, Hey, this is game seven. It's like, it's go time. Yeah. And Seattle just couldn't, um, they couldn't get that energy going because the stars were able to just control it from the start. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they, they tried to push, but Dallas did a good job of, of um, shutting it down. And in, in game three, so series was tired, tied one, one, um, Haskinen took a puck to the face 
um, and um, it it bounced like right below him, and heavily scored, and that w he had played eleven minutes, um, left the game, never came back, and you noticed his absence. Like Seattle was able to just dominate the rest of that game, and um, he was rumored to get stitches and come back, but. It, they just they just shut him down, which was the right call. Just this, we're not going to come back. Don't risk coming back too soon. Yep. Um, he came back the next game, played over thirty minutes, and like he he I think he has the highest um, average ice time of anybody in playoffs. I think by one second, um, of Drew Doughty is the next guy, but I don't know if that factors in that game he got injured um but if you don't factor that in it might be quite a bit higher um but like his his absence from that game was just so noticeable and then when he came back it's like in the last game he was like double shifting i think in that third period he like barely came off the ice like so oh yeah um and he, he's just that type of guy right so yeah and i can't remember who it was but i reposted it as my instagram story it was um someone saying like you know this is basically what a norris caliber defenseman looks like like mm -hmm. for all of you no norris voters like keep an eye on this because this is the guy you want he might not have a, a fancy stat line for goals and assists this game but like he's the guy that goes out there and like shuts it down or can be counted on in any situation plays mm -hmm. over half the game um and and still can put up points, but just in this game they needed him to be shut down. He can do that still. But like a guy like Eric Carlson, you can't do that with him. You know, Haskins is the quarterback of their power play, yep. so he can do that too. Um, and yeah, he is he is absolutely just the leader of that defensive unit. And like you put him in any situation, he's it's it's a really um, unique talent to be able to manage your own energy level enough to play that many minutes on a regular basis. Because you see some guys, they're going at 110%, giving it their all constantly every single shift. But you see others like Haskinen who can do that. They can give all, give it their all all the time, but they know how to energy manage their energy and just pick and choose the little areas to go above and beyond. And then they mm -hmm. can recover in between all of that. It's it looks like laziness, but it's not. It's smart man energy management. Yeah, like there's there's times when you see him out there and he's it, it looks like he's laboring, but he's just like conserving energy and just being yeah. smart about how he uses his energy because he knows he's gonna have to go out there again mm -hmm. or stay out there or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just it's phenomenal to watch just as a as a fan of like defensive hockey, just how every little thing he does right and. Um, just the amount of minutes he's playing and he's still doing things right and just little things and it's like if if he didn't come back they, they there's no way they, they would have won um because he's just their guy that they can count on um and then the other guy that, that had a really good series obviously was rupe hints um just uh, you know everyone's who's talking about the series just talking about how he's built for playoffs just mm -hmm. oh he totally is just doesn't succumb to any sort of pressure or anything and just in that game seven it's like he was you could see he was just like I'm willing this team into the next round, and then he was able to get that um, 
takeaway from Alexiak. So the the inside man, um, Jamie Alexiak, was trying to corral a puck, and Hints just took it off him and just went in and got a a nice breakaway goal to take the lead. Um, mm-hmm. So he he had a really good series, and then um, Wyatt Johnston with the um, the series winning goal. Um, I think he became the second youngest, or maybe the youngest. Um, player to get a series winning goal in a game seven all time so um, it was kind of a um, I don't know dramatic touch for him to not get um, Calder nomination and then to knock out Matty Beneers' team um, the guy who he tied in goals in more games um, but um, you know Oh, <laughs> um, one one other note for the stars here. Um, shout out to their trade deadline acquisitions here. Yeah, Max Domi had eight points in seven games in the series. Mm-hmm. Evgeny Dadanov had five points in seven games. And to add on to the rookie shout out, Thomas Harley. Yeah, also had seven points in seven games. Yeah. So you know that that's that's huge for the team to be able to get these guys who um, come into the lineup. You know, like the trade deadline acquisitions, they come into the lineup and they fit in right away. Like, to have two players, I feel like Hints and Domi are kind of from the same mold a little bit in, in, in how they play and how they approach the game. So to be able to have a couple players like that to spread out throughout the lineup is huge because that's exactly the type of guy you want in the playoffs. And then to have these younger players who can come in and make a contribution in big minutes, who can get trusted to play, you know, a decent amount of ice time. I mean, 15, 16 minutes per game in the playoffs in your rookie year is pretty pretty good to be trusted mm-hmm. to do that. And then to make good on it and contribute in such a meaningful way like that's huge like this team is set and they have such a good young core and then they're still adding to it so it's it's pretty good yeah harley only played a handful of games this season in the regular season and then has just come in and played really well in playoffs and um they also have nils lundqvist who they traded for that hasn't even played at all in playoffs so like they've got a, a lot of good young players kind of at every position and so they're at like they've they've absolutely nailed a bunch of drafts and then they've made a few trades and stuff that have, have worked out um yeah what was that one draft where they got Haskin and robertson and ottinger yeah not bad right <laughs> um but um they've i mean they hit with with johnston um they've got like ty delandria who they drafted who's like who's been filling a bottom six role um They've got Thomas Harley, who's a, I think, 2019 draft pick. They traded for Nils Lundqvist, who's a 2018 first. Um, but they're, they're, they're kind of one of the teams that might be one of the most obvious examples of, like, some of their veteran players, like, sunsetting while guys are coming in and taking over. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of a nice mix of, like, the veterans still being able to produce. And, like, you know, Joe Pavelski, what a series he had. Mm-hmm. coming in and i think he's got to go like eight <laughs> goals or something like yeah. that eight goals and one assist <laughs> in, in the in the series <laughs> four four goals in in the first game which they lost um so shout out to him and dry for for doing that on the same night both getting four goals and both losing um but um you know like they've, they've just got the veteran guys and the young guys at the same time and they're they're all contributing and it, it's just kind of a nice thing to see because normally it's one way or the other and it it doesn't quite seem to be all meshing that well um but i guess that's the 
Pete DeBoer effect of getting to the conference finals in your first year with the team. Um, and then just we'll see how long until he wears out his welcome. But um, speaking of DeBoer, we'll, we'll transition to the Eastern Conference finals. Um, or Western, I mean. Um, DeBoer's facing the team that fired him a, a year ago. Mm. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So there's a little bit of um, history there. So, and then um, the Vegas, one of the Vegas assistants or, or video coach used to be Dallas's as well last year. So there's some unique knowledge of each team um, in this series. And the uh, board got asked about it. And I think he just said, like, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so yeah. it's, it's interesting to see just so many storylines between between these two yeah um because uh dallas um they last played each other in the bubble and dallas won and the was the coach of vegas so it's it's very interesting <laughs> very interesting storylines um but i mean that happened to DeBoer with vegas as well because he was coaching san jose when there was that Pavelski high stick um, against Vegas, remember? Um, yeah. And then, and then Vegas ended up hiring DeBoer after that. So I think so basically, it's the trend now that every new team DeBoer goes to, he faces the old one in a deep <laughs> playoff series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe he goes back to Vegas, or maybe maybe if Dallas moves on, um, he'll, he'll get hired by the team that, that I guess he faces um but yeah i mean in this one in this one i think it's gonna be an interesting series um i was hoping that that dallas was gonna play the oilers um so that it would just be like balls out offense um but i feel like this series is gonna be a bit different of a feeling um mm -hmm. especially with like the i don't know the, the the meanness and chippiness that can creep into um, Vegas's game. I mean, mind you, the yeah. stars have the same sort of vibe with like Jamie Ben and um, Mason Marshman can kind of cross the line. Max Domi, um, mm -hmm. Suter can be a bit, you know, chippy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be. I feel like it's going to be pretty close, and I don't think that Dallas is going to have as good of a record in this or as good of a time this in playoffs as they did in the regular season because they beat. Vegas every game some of them I think two of them went to a shootout um, but none of those games had Mark Stone so not sure what I mm -hmm. feel is going to happen in this one I want Dallas to win um, but I'm not sure where do you kind of sit on I, this one I lean towards Dallas just because I see a more fleshed out roster okay. you know Dallas Dallas has more more strong forward depth in my view with Hints and Robertson and Pavelski and just the way that the the rest of the lineup is playing beneath them I see them as having a little bit better of a forward group even though the Golden Knights have Eichel and Stone I think Dallas's depth up front is a little bit better Dallas has Haskinen better than any defender on the Golden Knights and Dallas has Ottinger who uncharacteristically had a bad series against Seattle 
but is typically one of the best goalies in the league and a playoff performer who is much better than Aiden Hill. I think Dallas has the advantage on on paper. Um, you were talking about that chippiness and, and the meanness in the game. I think Vegas, you can get under their skin and you can throw them off of their game when you have players like Domi and Hintz and Ben who can go and kind of play that, that agitator grinder game. They can just th- they can throw Vegas off of their game with that. They can get under their skin. They can make them take dumb penalties. They can make them take dumb suspensions. And and they can really just cause a ruckus doing that just to get under their skin because they don't look like the most level-headed team at times. Like Edmonton, even, even though they beat Edmonton, the Oilers were still kind of living rent-free in the Golden Knights' yeah, head Vander just King. with the comments. Yeah, just with the comments that were being made in the media. It's like clearly they they got under the skin of the Golden Knights. Now, the you watch more of the stars than me, but is there is their offense more based on a run and gun, or do they have like a set, a pretty solid system that they use that they can um, kind of forecheck and overpower? Yeah, they at times they can try to rely on the rush game too much. Like that's kind of what happened in the first or in the games that they lost. Um, they tried to just generate scoring off the rush. Um, but when they play their best, I think they are playing a forechecking, causing turnovers style. Um, but their they're talented guys tend to want to play that fa- fast break kind of game. Mm-hmm. And they get caught, um, which was what Seattle was doing really well, is they were trying to get Dallas to play like their game and so they they can do both um but they can they can kind of pivot and i think DeBoer has done a good job of being able to kind of mm-hmm. tweak it when he needs to so yeah. they can they can Cause, do both yeah cuz that's that's one of the areas Vegas can take advantage of because like we saw they shut down the Edmonton Edmonton's attempts at having that rush offense having the 5 on 5 offense attempts at all they boxed out the Oilers from the slot and we kind of know that the Pavelski hints Robertson trio like they kind of rely on zone presence to my understanding of how that line is built like they get a lot of pressure just from puck movement in the zone Pavelski in front of the net causing a distraction like they might not get those chances with against Vegas because they know how to box out and they don't know how to like keep chances and keep the play to the outside really well and they also know how to play aggressive on the forecheck and and create turnovers, create mistakes, create rush, counterattack the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that definitely swings in in Vegas's favor. Yeah, I think Vegas is a team that hits more than Dallas too. Like that's one thing that um, Seattle was was putting the pressure on. Um, Dallas forcing mistakes and turnovers and things by getting like a, the strong four check going and at times in that series Dallas would shy away from like finishing body checks and things um, but they do play their best when they don't shy away when they do hit and you know, try and cause turnovers and things like that and get, get pressure on and everything um, so it's it's tough I think that it's they're probably pretty e- evenly matched teams in that respect. And 
yeah, it, it could come down to to goaltending, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, you know, what's the real Ottinger right now? Is he battling through something with his, you know, with with his upper body, or is he is it just was it just the momentum shifts or catching him, or what? Um, but yeah, he has been unbelievable in playoffs before, and um. Dallas was able to shut down Vegas a couple of years ago. Obviously, a very different team. Um, with with um, Anton Hudobin in net, so you know if if <laughs> if they can beat him with Hudobin, I think they've got a real chance of, of beating them with Ottinger. But I I, I just feel like it's going to be so close and down to the the wire that it's I think yep. it's going to go seven. I just I want to pick Dallas, but I'm just nervous because I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm torn between like Dallas with the paper, the advantage on paper, but Vegas seem, in my view has the systems advantage. And because we, we don't quite know what Ottinger is going to show up. Like, is that goaltending advantage, you know, still going to play in Dallas's favor. And it's also tough to, to measure the special teams because Dallas's power play has been good. Um, Vegas has the worst special teams of any remaining team. But they were also playing against the best um, power play ever. But then they also looked bad against the Jets. So it's like that's the th- that's I looked at that. They had a sixty-ish percent penalty kill against Winnipeg and about the same against Edmonton. So it wasn't even like an Oilers skewed the stats. It was they were bad in both series. So if if Dallas is able to capitalize on the penalties, which hopefully is a lot of penalties, because Vegas yeah. is a you know whatever um chippy team um hopefully they can make their power plays count and get you know the net front presence with joe pavelski and get some tips and stuff um Mm -hmm. you know probably top two guys in the league right now for tips between like him and crosby i would say um Mm -hmm. so it, it could come down to that just special teams um and i just hope that the stars don't engage too much in the the stupid bullshit like um you know like I, we didn't talk about it but like the instigator with nurse it's like i get that it's what it is and like you see the video he's like skating in from the blue line and blah blah blah. but it's like they were f- trying to fight all game um but i just hope yeah, that they don't it, get caught it's up one of in those like the emotion like that yeah where it's like it's one of those like in in if you follow the rule book it's the right technically technical penalty sure yeah but But it's not in the the spirit of that rule or the context of the game exactly yeah i just yeah i just hope that they don't get caught up in that aspect of it because like yeah it's like you know they've got petrangelo who's trying to hack guys arms off they've got Braden mcnab out there who's obviously always a borderline kind of guy um and you've got um like colasar william carrier yeah, Colesar uh, could have been suspended for that boarding penalty on Eckholm too in the series. And, and Jonathan Jonathan Marcheseau has has been at times a bit of a hothead too. So yeah, and um, Eichel took a few dumb penalties too. Yeah, so the Stars have again their guys that do sort of the same thing. Um, but as a fan of the Stars, I just hope that they they walk they're able to walk that line and not get not be the one guy that gets pulled out of the pile know and then gets yep um uh, a momentum shift or a power play goal scored against you 
or something. So I hope that they do a good job of being able to control yep. their emotions and everything. And you know, they, they've got quite a bit of experience, but there is also quite a few young guys on the stars, so they might, you know, make some make some mistakes or something. Um, but they have also have a core here that have gone to the finals and lost. So I think they 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 know that you know you can't can't do that sort of stuff and get to where you need to be so we'll see I'll, I'll pick the stars in seven i guess is, is what i'll yeah. say um, i'm i'm gonna go a bit bold on this and say the stars in five. Ooh, <laughs> it's gonna be close games like this isn't gonna be a, like a one-sided series but it just you know something says it might be just close games but dallas just has a little bit of an edge in all of them yeah it'll be like that florida series where it's like the games were close but they still pretty much all went Florida's way. So I kind of maybe see that happening here, Dallas and five. Ooh, I hope so. We'll see. I don't want them to get, if they do make it on, I don't want them to be too banged up to be able to um, play one of Florida or Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. And if they have to play Florida, it's going to be all hands on deck, I think, um, to, to put up with Matthew Kachuk. That's mm-hmm. going to be so annoying for any team if they have to play Kachuk in the Stanley Cup finals. He's going to amp it up so oh, much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, I guess, worth noting that um, all these teams are, are so southern. I think it's the lowest, like, average um, yeah, it's it's the it's the southernmost <laughs> final southern four that average, have ever existed. Yeah. I think I think Vegas is the northernmost team. <laughs> they are, yeah. So it's it's pretty wild that it's just all south the Mason Dixon line teams here. Um, uh, like on one hand, it's like ah oh, damn that that kind of sucks. It's like someone who wants to see like a Canadian team in, but it's also kind of cool because it's like the game is growing and these teams are actually really good and. Um, and you hope that it's going to attract fans and like an actual fan base in the areas. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like these, these teams are just not typical hockey markets, but they've been able to, to grow their fan base and just develop their teams. And, you know, Carolina had some, some years there where they were, um, having some attendance issues and then they've really developed their team and they've, they've been rocking their building with, um, the um what do they they call it the uh, uh storm surge storm surges and florida you know has i think maybe still does have a little bit of attendance issues but hopefully this is kind of bringing in fans um yeah. for their franchise and vegas has done a good job of, of being able to kind of capitalize as the first major sports team there we'll see if they can keep that going now that the raiders are there and, and the athletics are going to go there um they might have to compete um at certain times of the year and then Dallas is just, you know, Texas hockey. They've done a good job. And it, this is all kind of relevant because um, it looks like Arizona doesn't want to have the Coyotes. You know, you look at, like, yeah. the, the, the actual vote of people who live in Tempe. They they said no. The and majority they, yeah, they said, said no. They don't want it. They'd rather have a landfill than a new <laughs> arena for the hockey team because they don't want to pay more taxes which is understandable because it's, it's all old people who don't you know not my backyard stuff <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> i would rather have a literal dump in my backyard <laughs> than a new hockey team <laughs> or a new hockey arena um because fuck hockey i don't understand i don't want to pay attention yeah um so that that franchise might be all out of options and might have to relocate um and it it sucks for coyotes fans 
but at this point it's like okay like <laughs> we kind of kind of got to figure out what we're doing here yeah at a certain point it's just like how like you've had 18 you've had 18 chances to get an arena to build a fan base to fix the attendance issues and just nothing's working yeah and they've been there longer than the jets original jets were in winnipeg um which is just a crazy stat to me Mm -hmm. um but you know there's other potentially non-traditional hockey markets that could be viable for the team to move to like they're talking about salt lake city which is i hope if they move to salt lake they call the team the shakers (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the salties you can call their (laughs) um that'll be the mascot like they're they're kind of nicely wedged between like vegas and and, uh colorado i guess right um which is kind of kind of cool it's a smaller city um and then the one that I, I kind of hope doesn't happen is, is Houston um, is the other, another city that's been kind of rumored for a while. Um, I don't want that because I think that that would take away from Dallas um, mm-hmm. as a already kind of smaller market. And they, they do a lot of marketing that's like Texas hockey and things like that. Yeah. The yeah. It Star. takes away from Dallas, like Houston. I can see the NHL wanting into Houston cause it's like one of the biggest Metro areas or something in the U S and they they want a presence there but it also does like you say take away from what dallas has set up in in the state as you know texas's team as texas hockey so i would i would want them to go somewhere if they do move and i I think it is probably the the only decision at this point that they can make um that they they go somewhere that doesn't take away from another franchise Mm -hmm. um because that would suck as a, a franchise anywhere if you get just someone moves in right next door and takes away mm-hmm. like a portion of your fan base and your your ticket sales and merchandise and stuff i mean it'd be like cool because you'd have a rivalry but not good for your business overall yeah. um so i think there's a few other city names that are people are listing off and you know quebec city is always one of them um i think like hamilton stuff like that i saw so. i saw a brief rumbling about a uh, second team in toronto but that got that got shut down pretty quickly because i think i think toronto basically has a veto on it they can just say no yeah i mean they're one of the most like print money teams in the league so mm-hmm. i think like they wouldn't want there is a there, was it you that sent me the joke about um or did i just read it on twitter that uh the reason the caps going up th- might go up three million is because toronto had five extra playoff games <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> Imagine if they went all the way to the finals, boys. Yeah, <laughs> that's Caps at a hundred million. Rigged, yeah, <laughs> um, it. Um, I think yeah, like I think for me, there's a distinction where like there is a history of like another team being there. Um, like there might there might be like a Houston other team, but I think it would take away from the the stars, and then like I just don't know how I feel about the Quebec Nordiques coming back where it would take away from the Montreal Canadiens at this point, but there is a history of the Nordiques being in the league as recent yeah, as, like, 1993 or whatever. So it's, yeah. like, maybe and like let's, let's face it, like, but You don't have to worry about the Canadiens fan base being impacted too significantly yeah. by the Nordiques being back. Yeah, because make less, there's but... enough people and enough fans that the, the Habs wouldn't even notice. It would probably just help and, like, make hockey more accessible in another area of the province. Yeah, that's true. Whereas 
if you put a team in Houston, Dallas would probably feel a pinch mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I'm or people might not want to change their fan base allegiance. Whereas in Quebec, like there's people who literally don't cheer for Montreal because they still hate them because of when mm-hmm. the Nordiques were around. So, you know, it might be a little bit different. I know that's probably a little bit hypocritical for for me to, to say it's okay in Canada, but not in the U S but I do feel like there's a distinction there with just the recency. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I feel like Utah might be a kind of a cool place. Um, and then the players have to live in Utah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like the U.S. needs more teams like Winnipeg and Columbus where it's like there's a real, <laughs> like, players might not want to go there <laughs> <laughs> type of thing, you know, where it's like it's not just those teams that have that. It's also there's some new ones. Um, but, I mean, like, that's the real thing right now for Arizona. Who's going to want to go there now, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, like, it was like Clayton Keller's dad, so this isn't, Keller, but its dad was saying like Keller won't be there, um, which is also like weird K-Paul. to call your son by his last name um, in a tweet. Um, just, just hockey dad things. Yeah, just 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 Paul Marner things. Um, <laughs> but it's like players, you know, they possibly might have to uproot their life in like as little as a year. So like you're not mm-hmm. going to attract anyone to come there unless they're like a reclamation project or someone who's got some weird history or. You know, like a guy like Jake for Tannen or something, right? Like, it's just going to be really hard for them. So I think moving is the right option so that you can just yep. clear the slate. Yeah, it sucks. But just at this point, like, what else are you going to do? No city in the fucking state wants to have you. So yep. you got to you gotta move on. It, it really does suck, but this is kind of similar to um, what happened in Atlanta where they just didn't have a place to play. Yeah, and you got a buyer ready, and it's like, okay, they got a rink. Let's let's go. It's yeah, you know exactly. So. so it you know I think the same same kind of thing happened when Atlanta moved to Winnipeg. That it was very short notice. Like it all of a sudden just, you know, there was a rumbling one week, and then like two weeks later they announced the move. It was yeah. something stupid quick like that where it's like we were thinking it was going to happen, and then it just took off over the off season, yeah. and um. It sounds like the team's committed to playing one more year at Mullet Arena, but it's it's like that is not a long term strategy. No, it could it could like that's that's not financially viable for the league. They don't want that to happen. No, like you say, like it's such an unstable environment that no one's going to want to go there because they don't know where they're going to be playing the next season, anyways. Yeah, it's it's like for the sake of of not completely killing the franchise. Like they might have to move just out of necessity. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it ends up if they want something in the West, or if they look at putting something in the East and then like moving another team back to the West. I think or um, the teams that would go back to the West would fight that, like so so much because of how much they fought to get over to the east in the first place detroit because yeah because i think at this point it's detroit or columbus and both of them fought to get to the east because of how far away they are from everything in the central so i think logistically the coyotes wherever they move have to stay in the central so like houston i don't know where kansas is geographically but i'm pretty sure it's it would be central but like utah utah houston kansas city i think those are the top three 
and they're all they're all central. I think you have to keep them in the same division. Yeah. We'll see, I guess, but it's uh put it in in Regina. <laughs> there we go, yeah. Call put no, put him in Saskatoon. Uh, yeah, Regina or Saskatoon. Yeah. I can't remember which has the bigger arena. <laughs> Probably Saskatoon, honestly. Um Yeah, or like I don't know, like is there any big cities in Western Ontario? Not really, right? It's like pretty sure the biggest city is Thunder Bay, which is small, uh, and it's it's also in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, there's not really anything out there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there there's a sort of a some sort of place. I think Kansas City would be kind of a a good solution. It's in between. Um. Uh, St. Louis and Colorado. Okay. So it's kind of like right in there. Um. So. But we'll see again. Like putting it in Kansas City might take away from St. Louis fans and and revenue and things. So they might fight that. I also saw Oklahoma City, um, which is also like on top of Dallas. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like there's like, you could probably make an argument no matter where you pick that it like, this is too close yeah. to like our fan base or whatever. But if it's, I mean, I guess, this, a real I guess you can case, say this might... for um, Kansas that they've already had a failed NHL team, but like Oklahoma city just had an, a- an AHL team move away. Hmm. And I don't, I don't know if that was ownership or attendance issues, but like the Oklahoma city Barons didn't last too long. Yeah, so you so I can't see are. an NHL team being a viable option there. I don't know, man. Hopefully they figure something out. I also saw them yeah. throw out Atlanta again as a possible landing spot. So it's like oh, I don't know. Who knows? Um, hopefully they can figure it out. Maybe there's some sort of Midwest type city that they can find that that makes sense and has a big enough sports fandom base that they mm-hmm. can support a team because um, there's lots of team lots of places that i think could support too like toronto could definitely do it uh montreal probably could like bring back the maroons um yeah i don't know hopefully they, they figure something out soon because mm-hmm. i think to just at this point to just keep it like in this kind of limbo mode is unfair to the the players and everyone who's in involved with the franchise that just just gotta end the suffering like yeah it sucks yeah. that they're moving but like at the end of the day that's probably the only option here yeah. you've, you've explored every other option and you can see that in the nhl's um communications about it too right they're no longer saying like we're committed to having this franchise stay in arizona they're just saying like we're disappointed like we're exploring yeah. options that's it like it's just yeah it's sad but it is what it is um but you know people owners and uh people won't be sad if you put it somewhere else that makes money so. exactly yeah and that's the thing other owner <coughs> pardon me other owners in the league are just going to be happy they don't have to keep funding the coyotes five thousand seat arena yeah exactly they can't make enough to fund their own team yeah the, the the rest of the league's revenue is being welfare for the Arizona Coyotes to stay afloat. Um, 
yeah yeah hopefully there's a, some cool landing spot and you know they don't have to change the team i'm sure that uh in north america there's probably technically coyotes like everywhere <laughs> so you could probably keep the team name moving I it somewhere yeah, I, think, I think that's accurate yeah um, they can just kind of keep the team name <laughs> you might lose the kachina style jersey because i think that's pretty linked with like the indigenous population um in arizona but you know maybe going up to utah it might be the same sort of groups i'm not super familiar with u.s indigenous populations but maybe it's a similar kind of design i think like the navajo i think uh live in both utah and arizona and new mexico so i don't know but hopefully they figure it out and just get a solution um just just pick a direction and go <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um and then i guess the other one just quickly too is uh, ottawa will have a new owner i think the rumor is maybe next week um so that that could be big news as well i'm kind of getting tired of all these like celebrity gimmicky things where it's like oh yeah. this person's joined this bid it's like, oh, oh the, yeah this this random celebrity who's affiliated with hockey in some way and this random celebrity yeah. it's like this person who's never <laughs> talked about hockey is now involved it's like oh okay yeah <laughs> And it's like, are they really going to pass the vetting process? Because Snoop Dogg has a pretty questionable history. And <laughs> the, I saw this, uh, I saw this little look. There's that Nico Sparks guy, that's like the head of one of the yeah. one of the groups. Yeah, that's the. I saw form. this this Reddit post that had a bit of a look into his background, and no one can really figure out who he is or why he's like, um, credible enough to be like an owner of an nhl team I have no it, idea it, it really is. it really gives off like weird vibes like do you ever hear that story about that john spano that tried to buy the islanders yeah yeah it really give like some of it gives off vibes of that type of a story so it'll be interesting to see like if this dude's credible and if he's just kind of a or if he's just a face for other people who have the money to do it he's like a fund manager or something yeah, yeah, some sort of crypto dude who, some sort of like crypto or like something like that, just you know, I don't know, man, who has other people, other people funding his ventures. I'm sure if you gathered up all the owners of the NHL franchises, that it would be the probably a room full of despicable, gluttonous, villainous people that would rival, you know, any other group of people. Like it would probably <laughs> be like some of the worst people on the planet. Yeah, so. Maybe he'll fit right in. I don't know. Um, I don't know anything about him. I know that Snoop Dogg at least has an interest in hockey, so mm -hmm. I understand why he's involved. Um, but it is a little frustrating when it's like this culture of celebrity worship that, like, oh, that person's in? I hope that they own the team because they'll know what to do with a hockey team for sure. Like, I don't know about that, but like, I hope that whoever's selling it actually has you know a, a vested interest that the team stays in ottawa and is successful and you know does the right things so yeah um we'll we'll see um on that one as well but yeah ownership could change with the coyotes too because um, i think alex Mariwello has said that he doesn't want to own it if it's not in arizona so i don't know man I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that stuff and, and you know, 
probably once the playoffs die down, we'll get more more Arizona focus as the the topics shift over. But yeah, I guess the one the one bright be. note for Leafs fans is that if Arizona moves, you will not you will no longer have to deal with Arizona getting Austin Matthews memes. <laughs> there we go. You can you can start worrying about some other guys on the team going <laughs> going to their home states and home provinces instead of everyone else having to listen to you know their Toronto based players going back to Toronto. That wraps things up for this time here on Clappercast. Make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way. For more content, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more Hockey Talk.